It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sunderland drew this weekend 1-1 in the FA Cup, which means we're all going to have to brave the cold on a Tuesday night. Uh, probably next week, uh, which is really annoying, to be honest. But anyway, you know, we'll, we'll go, we'll go. Uh, Nick obviously gets paid to do it, and I'll go out the goodness of my heart. And so will Gav. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, disappointing, 1-1. One, one. But, Nick, how are you? Well, I'm, you know, a bit angry about it already, because I told Jack Ross afterwards, it's Tuesday night, Master Chef Professionals. I'm going to have to watch it on the iPlayer now. Mm-hmm. So that's my Tuesday night gone. Fair enough, yeah. No, that's... I mean, in all honesty, I'm pleased they're still in it. It could easily have been knocked out. We'll find out the draw yes, on afternoon. Monday, which will be interesting. Who we're looking for? Well, preferably. Do you know, I was, we were chatting on, Benno and I were chatting on the way home about the potential draw and how, you know, a year or two ago when Sunderland went in at the third round stage, it was always Barrow at home or Morecambe at home. or And you thought, great, home draw against a non-league or lower league team. Well, now it's Monday night and you're thinking, well, actually, I don't want Morecambe or Barrow or someone like that at home. You want one of the big Premier League teams at home. And it's a complete switch around from, you know, your wish list from a couple of years ago in the in the third round of the, the FA Cup, because then you're actually genuinely thinking you could have a run in the FA Cup and you never knew as a Premier League club how far you were going to get. Now, it's almost a case of this is a bonus. And if you can get a big club in the in the third round, well, that's great. That'll be a, you know added bonus to this season because we're not going to reach the final this year. So... Um, I just hope it's for everybody's sake. It's a it's a big draw, which at home, which gets a big crowd. Just give everybody something else to enjoy in this this season. Do you think that fans um, of generally of a League One club, if they got drawn against say Everton, would fill the place out? Whereas we have played Everton for ten years. Is it possible we might be like don't really care? I don't know. That's a good one, Everton. I'm not sure if it if it's one of those Premier League clubs which. Like an Everton or a, a Huddersfield, a Bournemouth, something like that. Probably not. But I think if it was Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United, Man City, any of those, yes, I think it would. I think that everyone would. And I think we ought to come back for that. We ought to the players, don't we, to give them that League One sort of big cup tie feel at the same Yeah. Line. Well, I actually had a conversation with Benno as well. We had I, I threw this at him. I said, Benno, if if Sunderland drew Newcastle United at home in the third round of the FA Cup. Who would win? And there was a sort of silence in the car. But Benno, you know, he said, "Look, in all honesty, he said Newcastle should win. That they, you know, they are they've got so much more quality. They're a Premier League team." But I just thought mm, it's an interesting dynamic because the way Sunderland are at home, 
They, they haven't lost at home in, in the league. You know, the Sheffield Wednesday game in the Cup was so early. They've got a real character. They've got a real team spirit now. I wonder if it, you know, that w- would be a potential upset in the way that Newcastle are at the moment. It wouldn't be an upset. Be, I mean, we always beat them. Well, we so always like. beat them, but it would be, it would, uh, it would be interesting. It would yeah, be a would. very interesting tie. Uh, how was your day yesterday, Gav? You were down at the game. Oh, yeah, I, was, I was just going to introduce myself eventually. I you know, say, I've got yeah. nearly, what, four minutes in? You haven't even said I'm here. So I'm hogging. Um, so I'm Gav, by the way. Man. Yeah. How was my day? That was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. That's First it. away day for a long time. Don't get, to, don't, I, I don't get enough of them. Gives a big answer, and then you're just like, "I had a great day." So yeah, it was, it was. I, you know, when I went in, it's quite a little stadium. So when we walked in, um, it reminded us of going to Scunthorpe. It's a very similar looking stadium. I to think Scun, when it was originally built, it's an identical kit to yeah, Scunthorpe yeah. Stadium. Yeah. And then Warsaw added the second tier on that right, yeah. end, so it, it sort of took it away from being the Scunthorpe. But at the time, I remember you know when Scunthorpe built Glanford Park. And then the Bescott Stadium were built. They were absolutely identical. Mm. You went in and everything was in exactly the same place. And then it's moved now because Warsaw's got a new press box. I use the term lightly, loosely. <laughs> um, but so, you know, they, they've made a few adornments to it and it's changed a little bit. But yeah, I, essentially they are exactly See, the I, same. I never knew that. I never knew that. I, when I walked in, it just looked like Scunthorpe's ground. Um, but no, it was a um, long trip for a 1-1 Cup draw at Walsall like, but uh, I, I I really really enjoyed it. Um, it was weird. It was like last week was the cup tie and this week was the yeah, league game. It, it, seemed about, to see a real... it was it was a bit more like a preseason friendly, wasn't yeah. it? If anything, um, right. we 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 kind of petered out. I know we're going to the rest how the rest of the game went, but say. yeah, it, it was it was strange performance and it was probably a good thing that the majority of Sunderland fans didn't have a stream to watch because it was pretty poor as bad as that check a trade game the other way against Morgan. no I thought the that Morgan was the I actually enjoyed the game. Morgan game more than I enjoyed the really? Warsaw game yeah, is that because of one? possibly I, I just thought um, and maybe because it was you know a few of the players in there that we've been wanting to see and I think you you um, appraise the game in a different way you know, you know you're watching Jake Hackett and yeah. Jack Bainbridge and, and the other young players and um, Jack Diamond and you're sort of looking at the game in a in a different way I think and, in, and enjoying it from that perspective Whereas the Warsaw game, you know, it was the complete opposite of the league game the week before, which had been feisty, it had been fiery. I mean, it's interesting that, I mean, the, apparently the stat was that Sunderland only committed two fouls in the league game at the Bescott Stadium. When I think they committed two in the first five minutes, you know, on, <laughs> on Saturday. And then it became a litany of free kicks and stoppages. And and it was a bitty game. It, was a, it wasn't one for the purists to watch, was it? it, was a, it, it no. It was just a in a way a, a typical league game in a way it wasn't it didn't have the atmosphere it didn't have the the drive of of the game the week before and um so i a, a difficult one to sort of analyze in a way i mean I, I know afterwards jack ross said you know i i'd said to him was he pleased you know the last 10 15 minutes of the game that they were still in the cup and he said well it wasn't just the last 10 minutes but this whole second half he yeah he just felt that yeah. Sunderland just didn't turn up for the second half and he put it down. He said, I think we've been, it's really caught up with us. I think we're tired. He says, I think we were seeing, you know, a number of the players were leggy out there. It was a heavy pitch. I think Warsaw came out and they zeroed in on Andy Cook and Devlin, the two big men, and pumping long balls up to Cook to hold up for um, Gordon and Ferrier. And it just it made life very, very difficult for Sunderland. It was a data analyst's uh, dream that game because <clears throat> you could see that from the week before, 
they just realised how bad our two centre-halves were in the air and they got pummeled, absolutely pummeled. Um, probably just as bad as it was on Tuesday, I would say, against Kifamua in the way that they just couldn't cope with anybody of any sort of stature in our box. And um, we were lucky, actually, that Cook's not a very good player in my eyes because he had four or five brilliant chances and he only put one of them away. Good goal, by the way, but uh, he, he missed the majority of his chances and a, a better centre-forward would have made us pay yesterday. Um, uh, and I, I put a bit on the site about this and I've talked a bit of stick today, actually, but I don't think that they're a very good partnership in terms of, I think they're too similar, Baldwin and Flanagan, that is. Um, and I've, it's been a bit of a worry for a while, but I think we've really seen the last two games, like anybody with any height in our box, the struggle like mad. Um, and I'm I, I'm not daft enough to think that the manager doesn't see it like, but uh, it's something to think about maybe when you're looking at Leuvens and, and Ozturk, could one of those maybe be reintroduced to try and counteract the fact we're being well targeted now teams are going to watch especially anybody a date analyst looking at the last two performances they're going to look at our centre-halves and go let's get a big man in there and cause bother do you think uh, Jack Ross will maybe trial that three at the back he was doing with Glenn about it because I mean we, that conversation about David Edgar and he's prepared to give him a trial and he's six foot four and he's a big you know bulky centre-half and I agree with Gav I think there is a there is an issue with the two Flanagan and Baldwin not having that physical presence and teams are doing their homework. I mean, give Dean Keats credit. I mean, as soon as I saw he put Andy Cook on the bench at Portsmouth on Tuesday night, I thought there's only one reason he's done that. He he knows he's he's resting him to play Sunderland on Saturday because a big man in that area does will cause problems. Kiefer Moore did it. Um, obviously, Andy Cook did it the weekend and we've seen it so many times this season. If a team has a set piece or a corner... They, they just pump it straight in there and nine times out of ten, it causes a panic in the Sunderland penalty area. More so earlier in the season, they were really struggling to get the ball ball out. And because Flanagan and Baldwin have started to develop a, a partnership, it, it, they've sort of maybe papered over the cracks to an extent. But I think there's still a worry there. And I do wonder if they get a big centre-half in to play alongside Baldwin and possibly, we don't know what's going to happen in January, but if Matthews was to move... Flanagan move out to mm. to right back again, or even or even left back, but uh, and utilize Flanagan where I think initially we thought he was going to play when he was signed in the summer as a full back rather than a centre back. Are we not being a bit hasty here in the sense that this was a centre back pairing that kept I think four straight clean sheets? You know, everyone goes in and out of form. You know, that happens. Yeah, it does. I think I think because of the, the Barnsley game and the Warsaw game, you know, in, in isolating them in the week, it was a, it became a bit of an issue. Um, and I think now teams are starting to, I mean, as Jack Ross says about his homework, you know, you do all this homework and you're trying to second guess the opposition manager all the time. But at the moment, it looks like the opposition managers are tending to, if they've got, and most League One teams have got big players. Sunderland haven't. And if, there is an, if there's an Achilles heel in the Sunderland team, it's a lack of height and physical presence, which may be alleviated to an extent up front when Charlie White's fit. Um, but it's certainly, you know, problem in midfield where it can either be overrun or League One teams just pump the ball over the top of it. And at the back where set pieces, that, you know, was a massive problem at the start of the season. And it's not such a big problem now, but they're starting to concede goals again and largely in the situation where they're not picking up the big men in the penalty area. I would, I would say it is still a problem, but in 
from another perspective in that. I mean, how many corners have we had in the last two games and we've never once oh. looked like scoring mm. from them? Um, I mean, don't think I'm picking out players. Yeah, I just think I think that this is... If, if we want to go on and win the league, these are small improvements we could make in January which will could potentially change the course of the season. I think when Sunderland are playing with enough attacking intent to be able to force 10, 15 corners out of a game and we don't look threatening from any of them, that's a problem. It's a big problem. Do you think, the is it the corner takers that are the problem or no, is it no, the lack no, of height in the box? Lack of height, because it, it, it's the same problem we face at the other end of the pitch. There's the struggle to defend them and the struggle to get on the end of them. It's And, and they can't pick up the second ball. Ten, yeah. the, the defenders are tending to pick up the second ball. I think the big thing is everyone says put the put the try and get the ball to Madger's feet. I mean that's your that's the where the strength in the attack is Madger with the ball at his feet. But nine times out of ten they can't get the ball into Madger's feet in those situations because you haven't got the big player in there to win the knockdowns that to, and and the players around the defenders to isolate Madger and keep you know because that's what defenses will do. They will. I mean look at Warsaw on Saturday. With set pieces, they basically put all their defenders in the six-yard box, made it almost impossible for anybody to get the ball down to feet and get through that. I mean, it was clearly a def- you know a ploy and a tactic they'd employed to 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 prevent to stop Sunderland getting the ball to Madge's feet or getting any sort of second ball picked up in the penalty area. What about the midfield options? So Catmull McGeoch aren't playing. Then we've been playing Power and Honeyman, and then it was all nine at the weekend. Is it because we've lost one of them defensive midfielders? Catmull always wins that first header on a corner if it's at his height. I think he's been a miss, yeah. And do you think even set pieces, do you think defensively? I think, I th- yeah, I think both ends of the pitch, like you see, is good in the air. Um, and so McGeoch, I think, yeah. as well. I, just, I think maybe with game management in the last two games, we might have benefited from him on the pitch. For There was a spell against Barnsley where the end of the second half, um, sorry, the end of the first half, where we, we seemed to struggle with the pressure. And that's when Catamol comes into his own. Um, and then on Saturday, we I, I went in a half time and I thought Walsall were pretty lucky to only be one 0 down. And it was a totally different. It was like two different games. Second half they come out and and it's the other way around. They battered us. Um, and I just wonder whether McGeady was the oldest player on the pitch uh, at the weekend. Captain. And, yeah, um, and we're maybe lacking just a little bit more experience. I think because it was it was difficult for the lads up front, especially. Um, I mean, with Madja playing, Gooch wasn't actually on the wing. He was we were basically playing a four-four-two, and Gooch was doing all this struggle again on Saturday. Yeah, I didn't think but Gooch he, got into the game really. But he's he's up there trying to do all the dirty work, mm. uh, so that Madja can just you know roam and play off the last man, I guess. Um, but he he did. He struggled. He worked his socks off. He always does. Um, but it doesn't seem to suit that position. He's better out on the wing, isn't he? Hugging the line and taking his man on, um, which. On Saturday, Brian Oviedo was the the right side of midfielder, and he never hugged the line. He came inside every time he got the ball. Thought he did all right. Didn't do anything particularly great, um, but he he just hugged the line. Uh, sorry, he didn't hug the line. He kept cutting back inside and playing it into Matthews or trying to look for um, Max Power on the edge of the box. Uh, and I just think it slowed us down a bit. So it would be nice to readdress some balance. Maybe get a couple of players back in the next few weeks because. I don't know. We do we do a little bit stretching. It's it's not it's not really it's not really helping us. Um, not really helping us to play our best game because you like to see like a Gucci out wide. You, you don't want to see him drifting around the front line because it's a necessity because of the players we had. I mean, it was a shame. Maybe a different game for Maguire didn't get injured in the warm up because um, obviously the plan wasn't for Oviedo to play. Uh, but 
there's plenty to learn from that performance on Saturday. I don't think anybody um, was poor. I think I think everyone gave the best shot. Um, it didn't work out for the centre halves at the weekend. I'm sure they'll learn from it. Um, but I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Jack Ross because you know, I was going to go into a game on Tuesday and 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 try and rotate the squad when you think he hasn't really got many options, has he? No, I think I don't think Max is at full power. Excuse the pun, yet either. I mean, by his own admission, he said he played within himself on Tuesday, and I think you know, and as as Jack says, he's still you know he's still trying to get back to full fitness because he's not been playing, so he's struggling for ninety minutes to play ninety minutes. And I think that I think we saw that with Power again on Saturday, but you know, Jack Ross was making the point again afterwards. Is they've got nine games now between now and January the first. So the the replay was one he could have really done without, but he will um, make a lot of changes on Tuesday. Watmore will start, Leuven's, um Oviedo, I think, Ozturk, O'Neill, Power to get uh, more minutes. Um, so I, you know, I think we'll see the Morecambe scenario where you probably see eleven changes or near enough, um, and it should still be, in theory, strong enough to beat um, a League Two team, but. I mean, you know, it's going to be an issue for him this nine games over December and and Jan in the beginning of January. Um, bearing in mind, if he's saying they're looking a bit tired now and a bit leggy, and if he picks up any more injuries, I mean, now you've got Maguire should be back next week. Catamol, Touchwood should be back. McGeoch, but I mean, as you know, I said to him afterwards, you get a, a small injury like Maguire or you know Honeyman, the little you know the ankle injury. These these little injuries, which we thought were little, like Robson uh, and McGeoch, can sometimes turn into significant injuries that mm. keep a player out. On Catamol, the toe injury, toe injury kept him out. It's been out six, seven weeks. So suddenly these can develop into quite long term injuries. Just as you're getting into, I think I heard was it Guy Mowbray on Match of the Day last night saying when you get to November and it's and it's dark at three o'clock, you know you've got into the meaty part of the mm-hmm. season, sort of thing, which is where, where Sunderland are now. You're know, nineteen. 20 games into the league season and that's without the two cup competitions they are really in the nitty gritty now where you know every point dropped is a huge point drop because there's that group of four five teams at the top of the league now who are sort of really fighting each other almost to to get a breakaway it's weird at the start of the year we all thought Sunderland's midfield depth we almost thought we had too many central midfielders because you looked at it and said where's Ethan Robson going to get in you know where's insert the list of what six we have. And they've mm. all picked up injuries and it's crucial that we've actually had that midfield depth otherwise we would have been, you know, mm. we've had to play Honeyman in central midfield but recently. It's presented opportunities as well though. So one, probably one of the big positives for me from Saturday was um, Barley Mumba came on and he I played, good. I thought he yeah. looked really good. Um, we It was at a stage in the game where we couldn't hold onto the ball. We were just giving it away every time we got it. Um, Walsall were building up attacks particularly pumping balls in the box and I felt we needed somebody to just come on and, and get and rat around them and try and win the ball back and to be fair he did a bit more than that bringing him on forced Walsall back 10 yards and we actually uh, we, we seemed to come back into the game there was two or three moments in the game where he he had the ball played into him and he just looked like he was going to lose it and his balance is that good he's got such a he just I don't want to say he's anything like him, but he, he reminds us of the way Cessnion used to hold on to the ball when he was mm. under pressure. He, he just seems to wriggle away with it quickly. Um, and and that really helped us on Saturday. I, I, I think bringing him on when we did actually probably help level things out again. And, I mean, uh, I, yeah. the, the irony is they could have won it in the last minute or so. They had a yeah. corner right oh, at yeah, death yeah. and you thought wouldn't you wouldn't put it past them to 
sneak one in, you know, mm. when it dropped in the penalty area. But just it, it was one of those games it just wasn't to be. I think, you know, you knew 15, 20 minutes from the end, this is increasingly going to be a replay. It was just yeah. like that sort of written all over it. Bally Mumba, talking about him there. Should he be playing a little bit more? A little bit more game time for him? Um, I, think, I think that you've got to trust that, especially looking at how uh, Jack Ross has managed Magi this season, you've got to trust that he, he, he knows what he's doing with him and he's just managing his time efficiently. So... Um, how many seventeen-year-olds have played as much football he has? You know what I mean. I think, I think he, they might even look in January and think he could go out on loan to somewhere for even just a month, and it'll do him the world of good just to get into a different club, professional environment again, training around different players, and um, getting more minutes on the pitch. Well, I think the only thing problem with the loan issue is he's only, he is seventeen, and I think there isn't there's still the issue of if he goes, can he room with some? Has to room on his own still at oh, seventeen and. I know Pickford and, went on loan. Loading, yeah, I think so. I think that's been one of the issues before, because it, but the um, responsibility they have to because obviously when he travels with the first team squad, he has to room on his own mm-hmm. because of his age. And so I think loan was always a bit of a um, that was a bit of a problem. But whether that still is now he's seventeen, yeah. I don't know. But I know you're right about Jack Ross has been very very conscious about managing the young players and not throwing them in for the sake of it just because it's another body. I think his biggest problem almost has been it's finding the balance between he's got Bali Mumba training with a first team squad and recently he's been named in the first team 18 at a weekend. But then that's sometimes precluding him from putting him into the under 23s and getting a game time in the under 23s because he's away with the first team. And he's got to find the balance between Mumba getting games but getting games at the right level. Because he's clearly got the talent, he's clearly got the, clearly got the technical ability, mm. and then you've got to worry about burnout if you throw Mumba in. Say, right, we're going to put Mumba in the first team, and he's going to play the next five or six games. Will we see that dip that you you invariably see? I mean, Madge's, we've seen that with Magic. You know, you throw him in, does well, gets gets goals, and then all of a sudden we get this dip with him, takes him out out for a game or two, puts him back in again, and he's back up. I mean, Chris McGuire even suffers from it, and he's what. 27, 28, I don't know. I think 29. Yeah, at 29. this level, that's what it is though. If you were consistently a 7 out of 10, you wouldn't be playing in League One. And that's the thing I've noticed is the quality of play. You know, look at, say, a player like McGeady as well. He can give you 10 minutes in every game and win you the game, but he's playing at that level because he just can't do it. He can't sustain it for 90 minutes. In the Premier League, he's been playing the last three games. He's played, I mean... Probably that was the poorest of the three games, but the, the previous two he played exceptionally well. Yeah, he had well. played really well. But then, then you can be cynical and say, January's coming up. Is he conscious that he's playing to get himself in the shot window? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Jack Ross is fairly uh, blase about all that, isn't he? He doesn't really care if he loses a player. Maybe we'll, we'll find someone else, you mm. know? Um, so if that's what the case is with McGeady, then so it be it. But I've been really impressed with him. I mean, he's, I, I actually thought, I agree with you on Saturday, Um He's been better in the couple of games before that, but I still thought he was our best player. I thought, I just thought, especially the first half, he was absolutely brilliant. Well, Jack Ross um, is enjoying it. He says the conversations he's had with McGeady and Matthews and Oviedo over the last few weeks, he says they're actually coming to him and wanting to talk football. They're infused. They, they seem mm. to have got their mojo back. And I think we're possibly seeing that, although Benno was very critical of Matthews yesterday, felt that Matthews wasn't having a good game and that if any player on the pitch, Jack Ross was probably pulling his hair out, it was Adam Matthews. But, you know, that's Benno as a defender and I suppose he's looking at it from, an, from another <laughs> angle. But He basically played as a winger in the first half. Yeah. yeah. He had he had Oviedo as his foil. So Oviedo was obviously further ahead of him, but he was 
he was the one coming inside to try and open the space up so Matthews could get forward. Um, and he's another. I thought actually did all right. I just thought I thought when I think when we're under the cosh, that's when he's at, he's not at his best. He's a good attacking player, isn't he? And I, I wish know. we'd see more crosses from Matthews as well because Matthews can put a really good ball yeah, in the yeah. box. He scored yeah. that goal against Mill yeah. last year, where the guy keep a thrill in the net. Yeah, <laughs> such yeah, was right. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's another player who seems to just have found his confidence, and he's. Um, I don't think it's just confidence as well. I think you can breed confidence in the way that you play, and how often have Sunderland in the time Matthews has been here played good attacking football? This is the first time probably, and it's it's about playing a system which gets the best out of the players you've got, mm-hmm. um, which is again why maybe McGeady's improved. Well, I think as well that half hour against Barnsley on Tuesday night. I mean, if you if you're playing football like that as a footballer, you must love it. You must really enjoy playing that that football. And for the first time in how many years, Sunderland have been doing it in sort of flashes this season in games. And if you're a professional footballer, you must love it. You must be loving the opportunity now that it's coming together and Sunderland are starting to put together some you know, displays like that. If they could do it more consistently, they would probably walk away with this league. But it's just the problem is they, they, you know, they can do it when they've got a nice wide pitch like the Stadium of Light and then they go to somewhere <coughs> like Warsaw where it's a narrower pitch and... You saw how heavy the pitch yeah, was yesterday. It was, it was you know, it had loads of rain on it, and they watered it. And it was it was muddy. It was heavy. It was cloying. I put a photo. Up. That was a... I put a photo up before the game. The players were warming up in front of us, and it was like a ploughed field. It was mm. awful. So it wasn't the best conditions for playing. You know, good football It was tight. Didn't think it was a very long pitch. Uh, it suits a team who play long ball football. Put it that way. So it did suit. It's obviously Walsall play a certain way, don't they? So it suits them to have a nice tight pitch. Um, but no, I just I'm I'm enjoying watching the 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 style change as it, as the season goes on. So we obviously we started started out and it was a bit I don't know higgledy piggledy might be the word. Where against Charlton we we had a few injuries didn't win. It wasn't our strongest team and we got away with it in the end. When we managed to work hard and get the win. Um, as the season's gone on though, the style has changed quite a bit depending on who's available. And um, I think that this all leads up to January and obviously anybody leaves. But obviously we've got players coming back. And um, I think I just think we're missing a couple of, of minor things. One would be a, a big, uh, tough central defender who just gets rid of everything. And another would be getting Catamore back in the team and fit because he does a lot of work off the ball. Um, and then on top of that, somebody to hit up front because, I mean, I like Sinclair. He works hard, um, but he's, you know, he's... Not he's, he's not a goal yeah, scorer. He's not quite sure what to do with Sinclair. He's, he's, he, he, he almost sees him as um, someone who, to quote him, plays the inside channel because he's not an out-and-out striker. Mm. He's not really a winger. Does he sit in behind the front man? I'm not sure he's that sort of player, but is he more one to sort of work that channel You know where Oviedo was trying to cut into mm-hmm. at Warsaw? So you have an outlet in there which Sinclair could benefit from. So it's difficult to fit him into the system at the minute. Um, but again, you know, I think that comes down to a player like Sinclair who has played more, he started or played in more games at Sunderland than all of his other clubs combined. It's, it's just not used to playing football, if you like. And, yeah, yeah. and, and it's trying to find a way of getting him to play more. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because we talk about Madja, like he's obviously he is, he's still such a young player. Um, but you, you forget that Sinclair is, is also really young, he's mm. only 21. And he's probably played less football than Madger has. And he, like, you know, definitely played less yeah, games yeah. than Madger. Um, so he's learning as well. That's not ideal for us, is it really? I mean, I don't think 
I don't think the club are expecting Charlie White to still be injured now, and that's that's maybe why maybe we're asking too much of them to be honest. And and that it's been good to see him manage Madja more effectively than he has Sinclair. So he's taken Sinclair out, but he's taken Sinclair out because he hasn't really offered something in the game before. I think with Madja, he's our player, um, and he's used Sinclair. Um, more in the way that he probably will Wyke when Wyke's fit. So when Wyke's fit, he'll start the majority of games, I think. I don't think Madja I don't think Madja will be playing every week. That's probably the best thing, really, in terms of his development. He's been managed well. Um and it, it would just be nice now if we can get a big man up front, big man in the in a, you know, the centre of defence. And and I don't think we're that far off. Being, it's almost it's almost know, the horses for courses, isn't it? Yeah. Your horses you, you want to build a League One team to get out of League One and then look at the championship in a different you know, the conversation we could have next year could be completely different if they're in the championship, and you know it might you know it might benefit the smaller players in in the team because the championship's going to have a whole different set of problems. But one of the problems in League One is that a lot of the teams have got some big players in there, and they're used to being physical and just throwing mm. themselves. I mean, it's interesting being close to the pitch at places like Warsaw because you can really almost feel the impact when players are going into challenging each other. Which is a bit when you're you know you're sitting sitting at the top of the West Stand watching a game played out on the pitch in front of you like a Sabutio game because it's so far away. Suddenly, when you're right up close to it, you you can physically feel the, the challenge, and it just you see a different perspective to League One. Then, mm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, it was good on Saturday how I was walking around because obviously there was the the pitch invasion after the the uh, goal right at the end in the league, and. Um, as we as we went in, I wasn't obviously at that game. And as I went in, I noticed how low the ledge was, mm. and you can see how that happened. That's how I mean. You, you take for granted just how massive our stadium is because you go to a place like that, and within two steps you could be on the pitch. You could literally, you literally yeah. could just step over the wall, and yeah. you're on the pitch. Yeah, and which so is it's which yeah. is why they, they had they'd obviously learned off the week before, and there was just a line of stewards <laughs> waiting for Sunderland to score because someone actually did get on for, on the pitch when McGeady scored, young kid. Um, and that was Mumba, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, he and after that, the the kind of like, all right, yeah, we need to take this serious now because <laughs> we could we could have a situation yeah where there's about 30, 40 Sunderland fans on the pitch at once. But it next right, you can you can feel the action when you when you're that close to the pitch. Um, and there was one in the build up of the goal actually. O'Neill threw himself in. To a challenge and we won it we came off the better of it but he got absolutely clattered I could hear the impact from where I was sat um, was the one that laid him flat out yeah yeah, yeah he was yeah. out he was out on the floor when we scored yeah I mean, actually Jack Ross made a point when about Morecambe um, I think it was Phil Smith said to Jack about how at Morecambe it was really refreshing that you because you're so close to the pitch and so close to the players you can actually hear the players talking to each other and he said he was impressed by Max Power because Max Power was shouting all the time to cajole in the team Jack said, well, I'm glad you heard that because that's something you could try and get across to the fans because it, when you're in the biggest stadiums, you don't hear it. He says, but you're in your players like Max Power are doing that all the time. And it's another asset to, to their game, if you like. Then, then, you know, people sometimes think players are quiet, but they're not. You know, they're in there all the time and Power is a big talker on the pitch. Yeah, I, I, I thought the first 30, 40 minutes of the game, he ran it. Uh, he was, he, you know what I really like about Power as opposed to the other centre mids is when the ball comes into him, he already knows what he's going to do with it. He doesn't hang on to it. He doesn't mess around with it. He, he gets it out of his feet and it goes where he wants. And that really, really helps the rest of the team because the rest of the team like to play at a high tempo, but it tends to be the further back you go, the, the players, you know. Yeah, I think that's what I liked about McGeoch in pre-season because I thought he was doing that yeah. as well. But 
for whatever reason, the injury or whatever, he just hasn't quite got that rhythm back because in pre-season, McGeoch was just constantly getting the ball, laying it off, laying it off, mm. bring it back, lay it off, push it forward. Always, like you say, that power knows where he wants to put it, but always trying to chisel away at the opposition, constantly trying to keep the ball moving, which he doesn't, hasn't seemed to do since he got that injury in, in pre-season. Yeah. I want to jump back to Madger. We ended up on a quite a tangent there. <laughs> so I let it run. But um, do you think Ross should have maybe thought a little bit more about playing Sinclair yesterday because of the pitch, the conditions, the fact that, you know, Madger basically was always likely to struggle in that game. Do you think, you know, Ross should have went with Sinclair just uh, to have that long ball I think he's, I think he's a bit between a rock and a hard place on that because I think it comes back to the the game um, prior to that, or not not the Barnsley game because he reinstated Madger. Almost, if, I don't think, I think Jack Ross is his own man and he would never bow to the fans saying, well, Madger should have started the, you know, the Wickham game and, and, and not Sinclair. And, and, and as Jack Ross said after his hindsight's brilliant art, you know, yes, with hindsight, you know, but I wouldn't change any decision I've made on the basis of what I've learned after the game. I think he's so meticulous in his build-up to games. And I think, you know, one thing that would have completely, would clearly have thrown him on Saturday was the fact that Maguire got injured in the build-up. Mm. He's worked all week on his plan, on his system, and then 10 minutes before the game starts, he loses Maguire. And he's got to bring Oviedo back into the system they were playing the previous week. And I, I, it's a difficult one because I think, I know what you mean about Sinclair. I mean, he's going to give you 100% in terms of the work rate he's going to put into the game and he's going to chase everything down and he's going to be a physical presence, but he's not going to give you that end product. And I think my feeling is that Jack Ross wanted it done and dusted yesterday. Yeah. And Madger offered him the better option mm-hmm. of doing that. And I also think that um, w- one of the ways that you work Madger in your team as, you, as a player alongside him provides an outlet. So uh, yesterday it was Gooch, but I'm not too sure that was the plan from the maybe before Maguire got injured. Because if you think when, when Madger's went off the last couple of league games Maguire's went up top and he's been the outlet and he is mm. a good outlet I mean he's not the biggest but he knows how to hold the ball and he knows how to draw free kicks and I think that was probably more so the thinking on Saturday was Maja's playing but it'll be Maguire alongside him and Gucci will play on the right well as it turned out you know Maguire got injured he brought in Oviedo and Gucci moved him maybe into that role where Maguire was going to play um, and I think as soon as know, he saw the game in the second half was slipping away from them Sinclair came on and he had no hesitation in, in mm-hmm. making that change. I mean, I think that's where, you know, Jack Ross is generally quite astute. If a game is slipping away from him, he does try and make a change that, um, you know, tries to, to get it back and on side again. It's difficult for a move on Saturday because the bench wasn't particularly strong. It wasn't strong when you've got Bainbridge no. and Hackett. I mean, no disrespect. You, haven't, you didn't have any game changes on there because you'd already lost one and Oviedo mm-hmm. having to start the game. And he already lost another in 09 starting the game. So there wasn't really, you didn't have really many options. Uh, we haven't actually spoke about the goal yet so before we move on to Tuesday's game uh, Nick you're the commentator so you you go through the goal I've got to try and remember it now um, <laughs> yeah. I, was as a, I, rec- I was the cool. videographer yeah, you well, did. It was, it was a right, com- I've got to think about this one now <laughs> got crumbs talk about memory loss uh, it seemed to build up on the right hand side and I think it was quite good work down the right side of the penalty to dig it out and put it back across the penalty area where it eventually was knocked out to McGeady, wasn't it? Was it through yeah. Gooch and no, Madger? Um, Madger, and... Mad- Madger kind of got stuck in a tussle with the defender, yeah. but it occupied him and the ball went straight across. Great to, to McGeady. Yeah. And yeah. then McGeady, as soon as he got that, you know, that sight of goal in front of him from that range, just smacked it in. Do you think McGeady can keep this goal scoring form? Is he in like a purple patch or do you think because he's playing 
you know, basically beneath where he should you've be. You've got to think, though, when he, when he came to Sun and he came off the back of a really good season with Preston, um, where he was the main man, he was scoring or assisting most weeks. He was he was doing what he's doing now, really. I mean, last year he was pretty restricted. He was injured quite he a bit. He scored quite a bit of balls. Uh, yeah, but even then, I think I don't think he was playing anywhere near Rally's best. This month that we've just seen from McGeady is probably the best football he's played since he came to the club. Um, so I think he's quite... Um, I mean, I don't mean this you know, in a disrespectful way. I think he's quite a selfish player. I think the issue of the penalty at Plymouth, mm-hmm. I think, illustrated there's that side to McGeady's game you know, where Gooch clearly thought he was going to be the penalty taker. And McGeady, in no uncertain terms, took control of that, said, no, I'm doing it, I'm taking it. And of course, then against Barnsley, who strides up and there's no argument about it, McGeady takes the penalty. Mm-hmm. I think McGeady likes to be... Centre of attention. Centre of attention, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and if he, and if he, and that's it's that good man management. It's like Jack Ross has to manage um, Chris Maguire, um, and the same way that he has to, I think, man manage McGeady. I think that was a very shrewd move to make him captain on Saturday and make him feel like he's the main man at the minute. And it's obviously paying off because McGeady's getting goals. He's working hard. He's, he's turning out to be man of the match. If he can keep that going, that's that. That what you said. There's the main thing though. He's working hard. When has a manager ever got that out of Aidan McGeady where he's sprinting back to make tackles and and then going up the other end to try and start an attack off? I mean, I can't I certainly can't remember um I mean I couldn't say I've tracked his career particularly closely, but whenever he was, you know, at Everton he didn't really get in the team and the and the, the consensus seemed to be that um you know, he has got the talent but he doesn't do it well, often I just enough, always go know? back to last season and you know, even early on in that game against Barnsley at Oakwell where he's on the halfway line and just lazily gives the ball away and Barnsley score. Yeah. And how many instances of that did we have last season where McGeady was clearly not in the zone? He was in his own world mm. where I'm McGeady, I'm a brilliant player, I don't have to work because I've got it all naturally at my feet. Actually, he does have to work and he does have to put in a shift for the team and yeah. he does have to track back and he does have to defend. And actually, Jack Ross has seemed to get that out of him this season. It's quite a bad memory you just brought up there, that Barnsley game. <laughs> it was horrible. Um... I was on a stag doing leads and we were get we'd been out all day and we said, right, we'll, we'll put the phone on while we're getting we'll, like because you can get the stream up, we'll put the phone on while we're getting ready and we went two down with it. Right, up. let's go out, let's just leave it there. Right, yeah, it was so. awful. Uh so moving on to Tuesday, we've already kind of talked about changes. Yeah, Nick, you said you expect probably 10, 11, something like I that. I think if I well, I've had to second guess the team, I think Router will come in and go. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Oviedo starts at left back. Leuven's, Oz Turk, um, right back. Taylor played there Possibly, in the last game, yeah, didn't he? Taylor again. How, how far away is Don Love and Denver Hume? Denver Hume's going to be out for two months. Extra. Because he's had a knee operation now. So he's out yeah. now for eight weeks minimum. So eight so, weeks out, and you think, and then he's got to get back up to speed again. You're bit looking. Of, bit of a worry, isn't it? Because yeah, he was, out for, he was out for nearly two years with a knee injury. Yeah. So that when he was a, younger. That's a big worry, I think. Whereas, funny, because we're talking about, I've got off tack here, I've got off track here again, but um, <laughs> in fairness, that we were talking only a month or two ago at Coventry when Hume played, you've got Hume at left back, you've got Oviedo, you've got James, you've got, you know, a surplus of cover at left back, even Flanagan can play there, and at a push, Matthews can play there, so suddenly you've got five or six left backs, but well, now you're down to, you could lose Oviedo in January, January. you've got Hume's going to be out for two months minimum. If James picks up an injury, then starting to look who's going to play left back. So from that embarrassment of riches, you're down to you could be down to the bare bones. Yeah. But anyway, going back to what the team will be, 
um, O'Neill and and Power, I guess. He might even play Power and Mumba and push O'Neill further forward. And then do you bring in, um, does Jake Hackett come in again? Because I thought he did really well against Morecambe. Um, he might even play Bainbridge again yeah, at yeah. the back instead of Ozturk and play Leuvens and Bainbridge. He might go three at the back again. It's, I think at least he's got options. You think what more right wing? What more right? I'm assuming what more play right wing. So are, are you are you pretty strong that you think what more? Well, start, Jack Jack's yeah. pretty much said again on Saturday after the game he sees yeah. what more starting on Tuesday. That's good. So I think you know I think they'll aim to play him an hour again. Mm. Um, or not on Tuesday. Um, see him playing an hour again. Do, who do, who goes up front? Sinclair probably be the obvious choice to give him. Give With him what a game. more? Maybe last With time he played. Yeah. So, he played Kim Bioga against. Uh, yeah, he did, and, but Morecambe he couldn't because he was away, wasn't he? With um, yeah, it was so well, the, the whole game. He wasn't on the bench on Saturday, though, was he? No, he wasn't. So maybe maybe so, they left him out of it to to keep him for Tuesday. Yeah, maybe. I think so. Uh, you know, you can fashion an eleven out of it because you know he's gonna his priority is gonna be Accrington. The thing um, is, thing is as well though, not County's uh, priority is not this cup. Yeah, you know they're they're, really they're like yeah. really struggling at the bottom. But actually, because so. it's interesting now that Neil Ardley's gone in, are we going to get an AFC Wimbledon type type approach? Aye. Throw these big men in there, David Vaughan, and um, <laughs> and then of course John Stead. I mean, is he still there? Jesus, who is he still there? He's is still he? there. John Stead is still. I mean, will be still there? No, no, Scherer isn't. Um, but John Stead is. Um, and we know he scored against, good against, against Bradford. Yeah. That was so. one of the worst years of my life. Uh, <laughs> on Saturday, we're down at Accrington, and they are in stinking form at the minute. Uh, not Do you know John Coleman? Sorry to interrupt, but John Coleman I was hearing last night, and um, his assistant. They've been in charge of over a thousand games at Accrington because he left. He went to Rochdale and then he came back, and that is absolutely extraordinary. Bearing in mind he's still not actually very old. <laughs> you know, I think I've been. I've been commentating for nearly 30 years and I've commented on about 1,300 games and it seems like a lifetime. You think to manage the number of games he's managed and still be the age he is, I think, whoa. I'm surprised. That's actually... How many Sunderland games have you done? 13. Well, Sunderland games is probably... Must be eight or 900. You should have a counter. I've got a, I've got a list of all of them. I have got oh, them. you have got a list. Have, they are I mean, all written down. I don't you should have like, like a little scoreboard. That'd be a bit like when Pelly got his thousandth goal. Yeah, Nick yeah. Rather. You should get. You probably. I should, will I get should work out the Sunderland games because I've got the, I've got them all written down. It's just a case because I've got a list. Then, but I, well, at the moment, I'm thinking I've got a tally of thirteen hundred and whatever it is because that's Carlisle, Newcastle, Sunderland, and whatever five live games I've done. So that that's in the big total. So I don't need to now. Cut out, yeah. Um, you did your thousandth game. I mean, yeah, you got in the pitch. It's 50, 16 seasons, isn't it? <laughs> Fifteen seasons, sixteen seasons. So, well, yeah. yeah Spotlight we'll do, would be on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. do a halftime presentation. It'll be no, brilliant. We don't need that. I can't wait. Um, anyway, back don't to Akron. Leave Akron <laughs> not won any of the last six. Lost the last three league games. I really, I didn't even know that came off the bar. I didn't either. I just, kind of, kind of just went under the radar for me. Them, like they played a lot of cup. I think they played three. Beat did Cheltenham in the cup as well, didn't they? Yeah, that's why I went league. They started the season really well, didn't they? So they've obviously yeah, got something yeah. about them. But I think it's, again, it's when you play them, get, can you keep it up? You see newly promoted teams do it all the time. Blackpool did it, Hull did it, where they come up. I think well, a big incentive for the saying that Luton are doing it in style at the minute. Yeah. And yeah. you look back to the point that Sunderland got at Kenilworth Road, and I remember the day, you know, there were a lot of people complaining that it was two points dropped. It's actually now looking like one point very yeah. well gained. Were the only, were the only team that get tanned off the moment, yeah. I think. But um, uh, this, this game on Saturday, though, I think... Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting one for the players. It's a big incentive when you think that there's going to be more Sunderland fans there than that. This is going to be like 
Warsaw last week. Yeah. Cup tie atmosphere close to the pitch. I mean, it's a tiny ground and you are really close to the pitch there. The facilities are basic and it's going to be, you know, that's it's going to feel like, it's it will feel like a cup tie again. And actually, I think in those situations this season, Sunderland have come out really well. AFC Wimbledon, mm-hmm. even they went goal down, the atmosphere there actually worked in Sunderland's favour and they got back in the game. Warsaw last week, I think, you know, that that atmosphere with when you've got more fans actually helps Sunderland. I think that could be a big plus, plus you know, the old the old cliche, the 12th man next week could be the fans. Well, for the fans as well, it's it's a bit of a day out because, well, I know Sunderland fans always treat every away day like a holiday, but uh, I think this one in particular with it being a new ground um, and just that, that feel that we're on the verge of just, you know, nudging towards top spot because we've got to keep the pressure up on Portsmouth and I think there's doing, nobody more than the players know that um, and this is a must win it doesn't matter if it's away from home it's a must win um, as they all are at this stage I think I just think when you're, when you're battling for the for the top spot in the league you, you can never afford to slip and it's funny because I think there's an incredible pressure on this team this season you know, everyone think, think, says oh it's, it's third tier it's league one um, but I've known even in the championship even when Roy Keane went up that season I didn't feel the pressure was on that team like in the same way that the pressure's on this team not to slip up. I think that season it was was it West Brom were the ones that everyone was watching all the time and Tony Mowbray and there was that sort of you know that sort of um almost the sort of uh, war of words yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, you've Mowbray got to and, ahead of us, yeah, you? and so that would be, and the and Derby so it became a bit of a dynamic. This season they've only lost one game in the league and every game you go into you think, right, is this the banana skin? Is this going to be the game where you slip up and you come through it? They get through against Wickham. They get through against Warsaw without losing it. And then you go on to the next one and think, oh, is this the one? Barnsley. God, this game's huge. And they come through it with flying colours. Then you know, next week it's Akron and you think, right, is this going to be the one? And it's constant, that sort of pressure. And I don't know how the players, whether they feel it in the same way. Do they feel that every single game they're going into is actually heaping pressure on them not, not to slip up, not to make a mistake, which is probably not a bad thing. I wonder about the Accrington players as well because they'll be this weekend. You know, it's their ground, it's their home pitch, and they're yeah, actually going to be like the away. Yeah, team. I think it's it's a big G up for the opposition all the time. A teams come into the stadium alight. I mean, listening to Gareth Ainsworth and the Wickham players in the tunnel afterwards, and the way they were talking after the, the point they got there, they really bigged themselves up for that game because they were playing at the stadium alight. The same way, I think players when Sunderland go away. It's, this is their biggest game of the season at home, and I don't. And I think they, it's it, it is for them a cup tie again. I think they look at it in almost in the same in the same way. Cats McGeoch are they likely to be back at the weekend? I think McGeoch is. I'm not sure about Cats. And we've got some Twitter questions before we sign off. So I L Hooper asks, "Have you ever seen Benno smile? If so, what was the moment <laughs> like?" I've seen him smile. He does smile, but generally when he's being mischievous. To be honest, well, did you hear him celebrating Madge's goal? Yes, Howling Wolf. That was a. I bet he had a canny smile on his face then. Yeah, he did. The main actually he was, on the radio, didn't he was actually week. killing himself the other week. So it was which what was the player that was hadn't pronounced? It sounded like so he he went he tutted in the in the second half, and he looked at me then because he'd he'd made a joke, and he was smiling then because he was just so pleased with himself. That doesn't obviously translate to everybody. It doesn't. Do, but this no. is the issue. Benno, that doesn't really work on radio. <laughs> but we'll work on it over the next 15 years. <laughs> How long have you been together? 15 years. 15 years. 
we're only starting out in radio terms and trying to get him to actually understand the medium. Fair play. Uh, Billy Morgan asks, Defoe as player stroke coach next season. That's not going to happen, is it? I think he's probably very happy down south and there's a plethora of clubs who would love to take Jermaine Defoe even at his age, not Sunderland. That's answered it. Yeah. And I would hope, I would love if Defoe came back though. It would be nice. It's fantastic, to be honest. It's, he's, He's too good to be playing in League One. All right, you just um, stop pissing on my dreams, guys. Right? <laughs> and any club going for promotion in the Championship is going to try and throw money Which at him. Be yeah, it's a bit of a Sam Allardy situation where you know the last six months, of the last you know throws of the season, get him in, okay. hit your targets. That's that's fire the type fight. of player. Yeah, maybe not firefight, but I think someone like Sheffield United, if they brought in a default player type, player, to be fair, Premier League team you know, would use them to firefight. You know, if, if there was a team at the bottom of the Prem. You know, if West Ham were really struggling, Cardiff maybe or someone like that, or Southampton. Oh, yeah. you went Cardiff, they just do throw-ins. Aye, but I think well, we didn't exactly play brilliant football, and he played for us, and he still got what fifteen goals up. I think it's seventeen. Didn't he one year? Aye, get seventy in the year. Um, was stayed at one of Allardyce. I can't remember. I just remember him scoring nearly every week that season. Yeah, he did. Uh, final question from Adam Kane. Apart from the great start the season we have had thus far, is there anything that we are lacking to give us the full domination in this league and be on top of the table by end of the season? Yeah, so we've sort of touched on the centre back. I think coming back, yeah, to the the big having a big solid either well centre back and centre forward. Do you reckon? I mean, when when's Wag due back? Because he had a soon. Soon. I mean, I think. I mean, um, Jack Ross has been quite optimistically about him actually. So I don't think it's far away. I wonder. I wonder if he he might be one that might be amongst the subs on Tuesday. Maybe. Yes, yeah, tra- he's trained I quite. I don't think it's far away. Yeah. I think it, yeah. It's either going to be that game or maybe the the cup replay next he's week. He's always said it was going to be around now before Christmas that he would. He's trained for a while yeah. now. He's been. I remember mm. the club's been doing quite a lot of media around him, so training th- and stuff. I think we're looking for an extra striker in the summer, weren't we? Which we didn't get. Do you think they will look at a striker in January? I, I'm thinking Tom Eaves. The thing is, right? Looks like it. The thing is that what. The position we're in now, although we're doing very well, is that anybody who's any good in our team is a is an option for a club in the league above. And when you look at Josh Madja's contract situation, if the club can't get him to sign it, then I think they would be stupid not to take a good offer on him. And I know people will think, well, that's his top score, and we did that with Grabbin last year. And I just think that if we're if if we're gonna set ourselves up to lose out on a lot of money on a player who could potentially leave for free. Uh, then that throws a spanner in the works. And, I mean, there is that know. there is that scenario that a team could come in and offer a six million, say that they want would take for Madger, but actually that six million could buy you a very good League One centre a centre forward to take you up because that's ultimately all it's about. Could get you three or four good to players. Get, you get yeah to to and then ultimately you you've done good business because you've got your return on on Josh Madger. You've also got your players in to get you out of League One, um, because you know it could go either way. I just think it could go, swing either way. I mean, the noises coming from the club are that they're fairly confident that Madge is going to sign a contract, but that that's great because then you've got him tied down. That still doesn't preclude the fact they can sell him. So yeah. it, it 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 just means they're going to get their money back. I'm just a little bit worried about how long it's taken. And I know the club are saying this, that, and the other. Like Charlie Methan was here last week, and he didn't really want to talk about it, which is understandable. He did say it wasn't really his um his area to, but he he probably does know a lot more than he let on. Um, and I think that's what's maybe a little frustration, a little bit of a frustration to fans is that. Like it, we, we we were told about these contract talks probably two three months ago, and but people do you know, say why is why does it take so long? And I can I, I, my guess is 
because they're being offered significantly so much less money now. Yeah. And I think where the where the issues arising are that the agents will be trying to thrash out some sort of um, deal whereby you need, if you go up into the championship, you'll get a percentage rise. If you get up to the Premier League, you'll get another percentage rise. It's, it's dealing with that yeah. sort of sliding scale of, of wages rather than actually wanting to stay here or wanting yeah. to leave. It, I think it, that's the problem. It might not necessarily be the players. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting any sort of blame on why aren't they signing the deal. It's, it's exactly as Nick says, but... The, the the situation the club are in is if they get to January and the they're like right well we need to know what's going on, um you wouldn't you would I think we've got to whatever goes on whatever happens, we've got to be we've got to know that they've done it for the right reasons now it's not it's not like in the past where we sold for instance Jordan Pickford because we need we were desperate for the money we know that's not the case now and obviously and it's not, not just bear in mind it's not just Madger there's Gooch Honeyman Hume the Honeyman the, uh, yeah, Stuart, right. Stuart said, didn't he, um, about Honeyman that he they're not so concerned about that because he's got a point of like five or six. Yeah, yeah there's on it. Matthews. Thought. I mean, there's quite a few that, that, that all need to be mm. sorted out, and you know, you can see why then these things tend to drag on because if you're then trying to make meetings with agents yeah. and so on, and you're dealing with five or six contracts, then that you can see how these things get. Yeah, maybe the fair, maybe, maybe they're relaxed about it. You know, maybe it's maybe we're sitting here scratching our heads and. They're just relaxed about it. They know that they're fairly confident. We you know? think of it again as a Premier League thing where you worry, you know, that a contract's coming up six months in advance, whereas we're actually in League One and that business is always done at the end of the season. It generally mm. players don't sign contracts. Yeah, and and you know, at this level, especially players who back themselves, um, who are wide out right and take the right advice, um, they, they don't if they're thinking about themselves, for instance, in this situation, um They'll back themselves to make it to the end of the season. They go well. I'll find a club, regardless, a good club. Um, I'll back myself to play in the league above, maybe. So if something don't go up, then I'm well within my rights to then move on. I think that's, that's a, fair enough. Yeah, isn't it? I think there's a lot in that, and I think there's also at the moment because the mood amongst the players is so good, and the, the the team spirit is so good. I think if you're a young player and you're enjoying playing football here at the moment, despite the potential lure of a big money move somewhere. Where you're going to end up sitting on the bench, would you rather be playing and enjoying what Sunderland are going through now and enjoying a promotion, and then looking at the future? Exactly. So I think, which is a you know a time in a way when we were talking when Asoro moved and saying, oh, they've let him slip through the net, blah blah. It's actually a time. He's always the timely reminder that this is you know that you you could actually be in a similar situation and find yourself at a Championship or Premier League club. Where you, you you suddenly disappear and why why give up what you're enjoying now? Okay, well uh, I think we'll we'll call that it. Uh, we've got Matty Piper coming out. When we're releasing that, Gav? Um, I don't know because obviously we're, about December. we've got a we've got a nice we've, we've been we've worked quite hard, haven't we, Connor? So we'll have uh, December means we've got lots of shows already recorded, ready to go out. Yeah. So then... yeah, I think we'll we'll have maybe this week or next week we'll let people know. Yeah, when that's going out. Um, we've also got Paul Hedrington. That'll be going out at some point. Yes, Paul was Rob a, Mason covered the covered the the northeast teams for a lot of years, and he just retired. Yeah, just retired, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Paul, yeah. So well, he, he's semi retired. Um, club uh, historian Rob Mason. Rob Mason was a really good one. I'm yeah, excited. So we've got that, that coming out. Um, yes, like you said, Matt Piper. We've got a George Forster. Are you not? Yes, George is coming George, up. Yes, in January. Yeah, yeah, it's um, January twenty. Yeah, sometime in January. You're going to get Benno um, in and talk about his comedy routine. <laughs> <laughs> we would have Benno in if he was wanting to come in. I'll persuade him. There we go. Yeah. There we go. We're going to get you both in. That might be good if we get you both in together next time you're in. Yeah, that would yeah. be good. 
Um, yeah. I plenty of interesting stuff. We've also got, oh yeah, some good stuff. Phil Bardsley is going to be doing yeah. a podcast with us. Uh, he's probably going to be out June, December. I, why not? Quiet. Why not? No, you're going to uh, go with them now. Uh, two other ex-players. Um, do a guessing game. Why don't you just make them guess? No, we'll not do that. No, okay. uh, Nairon Nosworthy will be on at some point. Hopefully before the end of the year. Um, and then maybe in the new year, we should have Vito Minoni. Plenty to look forward to anyways. But the problem with his name and all these names, people can ask when they're out and we, look, we don't even know. So uh, yeah. just keep your eye. You know, your yeah. ears peeled. Just be safe in the knowledge that we're going to keep rolling out the good shows yeah and there's some other ones that we're, we're kind of disclose yet shall yeah. be happening in the next year secrets yeah normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.